0: Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear nasal spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean not just rinse your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else
1: you're listening to radio md she's a chiropractic physician lecturer author entrepreneur and talk show host she's dr suzanne bennett it's time now for wellness for life radio here's dr suzanne
2: do you have any of these signs or symptoms of sleep apnea you're so tired that you need a nap during the day you wake up with a terrible headache you're a loud snorer Or you wake up abruptly choking or gasping for air. Your partner wakes you up because you stop breathing during your sleep. Your mouth is super dry in the morning, or you even have a sore throat and for sure you're tired and you have difficulty concentrating during the day. Sleep apnea is a potentially a serious sleep disorder, but there are many different types of sleep apnea, so it needs to be diagnosed properly by a sleep apnea specialist to regain your brain energy and body back to its full potential. Today, we are talking to my good friend, Dr. Joel Gould. He's a dentist who became an expert on sleep apnea after he himself was diagnosed with a chronic disorder many years ago. Now, he's been treating hundreds of people since then with obstructive sleep apnea at his modern american dentistry clinic in manhattan beach california and he's also the creator of the sleep restoration program that's designed to change the public's perception of the ever-growing epidemic of insomnia and sleep apnea hey welcome back to wellness for life dr gould
1: hey suzanne how are you doing thank you so much for having me
2: You got it. You got it. You know, I, I mentioned in the little brief intro that there are different types of sleep apnea. So can you, you know, tell us briefly about each one and, and, um, talk about the type that you actually treat in your dental office.
1: Well, it's actually that's a good introduction, but the, the different categories of sleep apnea are actually a little bit of a construct that medicine came up with to identify the different aspects of this strange, newer syndrome. It's basically a disruption of normal sleep. And it really depends on what stage of apnea you're at. Now, if you're just making your first foray into the apnea world. It's a very different syndrome, it's called upper airway resistance syndrome. And that's like the baby sister to sleep apnea, which is the one that people know about and everyone's worried they're gonna have to wear a CPAP. But there's a lot of different divisions in how we classify this. Um, There's even whether it's central or not. And you know, these are a lot of classifications that doctors are trying to use, but this syndrome and this disease is not at all what doctors think. Everyone thinks apnea is caused by old age or obesity and that it's a structural issue. And that's not what I came to the conclusion of after traveling around the country and listening to the different camps of sleep apnea. I believe this is a very different syndrome. And the way it looks different in the different classifications really depend on your own biology based on your own unique DNA and the different um, genes that you have based on your heritage. So I think it's a very um, mis- it's a misnomer to be called obstructive sleep apnea. This is a neurological condition. And it's quite fascinating because almost everyone these days is coming down with some of the symptoms.
2: Oh my goodness. I love the fact that we are now disrupting, disrupting the medical profession in in the fact that you know what it's been called in the past what it actually is and this is a new discovery I mean you I mean you know, there are scientists that are working on this and you guys you have all been collaborating together so I love this that is new information so tell us about the syndrome the upper airway dips disruption syndrome
1: yeah it's called upper air resistance syndrome now so I kind of want to explain like all diseases they're usually a spectrum. You know, Someone who has severe apnea, the person that you see on TV who is obese with a CPAP, those are people who've had this disease for a very long time. Now, children are being profoundly affected by this. And if you're listening to this and have a child that either grinds their teeth or snores, these are not normal signs. This is a really profound indication that your child is having an issue and probably already has pediatric sleep apnea. It will come along with some other uh, syndromes We'll see often eczema, psoriasis, um, behavior, ADHD issues for children, and also delayed growth because it's only in sleep that children grow. So if you've got a child who's delayed in their development, this is something you definitely want to look into. The syndrome is quite strange. And the good news is that it's very reversible when you get it early, the earlier you catch the syndrome, the less difficult it is to reverse. And this is an absolutely preventable and reversible syndrome is just that it gets more difficult each year.
2: Mm, can you share then with, let's go over with children. You know, we talked about men snoring all that uh, with children. What else do you see so that our our parents out there can take a look and see, you know, during sure. the sleep, what sure. they find in their children.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, you know, every parent knows their child and the cranky behavior is is one of the primary signs. And that's really sleep deprivation. Unfortunately, it's often diagnosed as as ADHD or attention deficit disorder. Also, bedwetting is a very, very common sign of apnea. And, you know, everyone thinks this is a behavioral issue. This is a, a neurological, biochemical issue. Um, The next issue, like I said, is is, um, autoimmune conditions, eczema, psoriasis, um, dental decay. If you have a child that you keep their teeth clean and they're getting a lot of decay, um, swollen tonsils or chronically swollen tonsils. Um, These are some of the signs of sleep apnea. And even something like thumb or finger sucking is an indication of sleep apnea. If you have a child and you're trying to get them to stop sucking their finger or thumb, you really want to look into the syndrome.
2: Mm. How about the actual growth of their palate and their face?
1: Well, so so that's where it goes to the core of this. I know that, that you and I um we had a talk about a syndrome that I call long face syndrome, and it's basically a mouth breathing syndrome. And so as your child is growing and developing the normal structure and function of the jaw is really dependent on the breathing pattern. What happens with kids is when they have issues breathing through their nose um, and have large tonsils, it changes the musculature of the airway and it pinches in the dental arches to make what we call a high vault narrow palate. And this is caused by mouth breathing and night after night. um, It's also caused by, you know, clogged nasal, nasal passages, allergies, colds, and flus, and this syndrome changes the growth pattern of the jaw. And these days, we see so many kids who have to have interceptive orthodontics to widen the upper jaw, even before we consider orthodontics as the major you know, uh, cause of uh, malocclusion. So kids are doing two phases of orthodontics these days, which is a primary palatal expansion, and then secondary braces. And, and the question is, you know, why is this happening? Why are arches getting smaller and narrow? Why are they crowding? Why is there no longer room for 32 teeth? And, you know, maybe we would want to reference the, the long face podcast if someone really wants the details of how to make sure their child has proper normal, normal growth and development of the lower jaw.
2: Mm, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, let's go into what you're discovering, what you discovered and sure. how you're actually adding it, this into a new book that's going to be coming out, The Modern Epidemic.
1: Right. So that's the name of my book, The Modern Epidemic. And what's fascinating is that this is a syndrome that's literally caused by more than one thing. And it's a disease of modern living. And one of the symptoms of this syndrome is broken sleep. Now, of course, sleep apnea is in that list, but also insomnia, in fact, most insomnia, is early sleep apnea. People don't want to think that everyone's very um, cautious. They, they, they don't want to say, oh, well, I don't have apnea. It's kind of funny because when I started to even ask my patients about it, they would sort of recoil and revulsion and say, oh, not me, I don't have that. Like it's an accusation of poor health because we see people who are obese who have this. But the obesity is secondary, it follows. And the syndrome is very, very simple and it's quite unique because it, it to understand the syndrome, you need to understand a little different Way to view our biology. Now, I view the gut microbiome or the gastrointestinal microbiome as a whole separate organ. It's literally three pounds worth of microbes that include bacteria, viruses, fungus, and even protozoa. Um, You know, all these different creatures that we host. In a very large microbiome, we have several microbiomes. We have an oral microbiome, that's the bacteria in your mouth, but the largest one is the gastrointestinal microbiome. This is the same size as the brain, and this organ, and it is an organ, is so unique. And I know that you're a huge proponent of the microbiome as part of what you do, and that this is your seasonal organ. This organ and the Microbes that are in it will change based on seasonality, and this is a holdover from evolution when we were hunter gatherers and we would be traveling through different uh, climates and different seasons. That we'd be changing both the sun exposure that we'd be receiving and the foods that we'd be eating, and that combination. The sunlight and the food products will change the variety and species of the microbiome and the products that it makes. Over 90% of serotonin and dopamine, which are neurotransmitters, are actually made by the gut microbiome. And if your microbiome is not in good shape, then you are not making a lot of the chemicals that are required for health. Now, it just so happens that a lot of the chemicals that are critical for health are related to sleep. And of course, if you don't sleep properly, you don't heal and regenerate at night. And then, you know, all bets are off for your long-term health. So sleep is really critical and sleep is regulated by the microbiome specifically. And there's a couple of really important vitamins, especially the B vitamins. And that brings me to another topic that I know you're also a big proponent of, and that's the mitochondria. So my discoveries are that the B vitamins are critical to so many different neurotransmitter production. They also power the mitochondria. B vitamins are in almost every reaction in the electron transport chain. So less B vitamins coming out of that microbiome means poor sleep and less uh, efficient energy production. I remember. Now, so that's... the yeah. yeah that's the syndrome in a nutshell. I remember yeah. you and
2: I talked, uh, you called me up and you asked me about kimchi because it was soon after I wrote the book The Kimchi Diet. You're asking me about B vitamins and how if if kimchi has any impact on your ability to absorb B vitamins and I definitely said yes because what what kimchi will do in the and really it's, it's not the vegetable per se but the microbiome or i say the lactic acid bacteria in kimchi what that will do is it will break down and pre-digest the food for you so you can extract those b vitamins far better far better um and and activate the, your ability to utilize those b vitamins which is phenomenal because when you think about it um you know it's not just your own body's ability to digest it by you know, breaking down with your own enzymes, You're, the bacterias are doing it for you. That's part of the reason why you want to have a healthy microbiome, robust microbiome by eating fermented foods.
1: Right, right. So then that brings us to the discussion of symbiosis. I I just love this idea because we're in a really strange time. And you know, one of my my things I like to repeat a lot is that Mother Nature favors the diversity of species and the collaboration of all living things. And what a what a great um way to think about this is that we are in a symbiotic relationship with our gut microbiome. We protect those microbes, we feed them, and they provide us with chemicals that we need for our health. And you know, the, the DNA of our microbes outnumber our own DNA 100 to 1. So we really need to be thinking about that microbiome and pay more attention. And what I got really excited about kimchi was that this is something in, you know, in, in Korea where it's eaten regularly, people have a greater degree of health. And I know that with COVID-19, that uh, South Korea, they had a, a less of an issue with poor outcomes. And I believe it was primarily related to the, the eating of kimchi. You know, I'd love your thoughts on that. But that's, that's how I saw this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. You know, um, originally when the, the first Corona hit, the first SARS, which was back in 2003, I believe. And that when that hit, it basically, it was all over Asia and it pretty much bypassed Korea. And it was this one area of all of Asia where it didn't have many, in fact, maybe it was just a handful, um, under 10 cases, something like that, of the SARS Corona. But, but then they actually did some research the scientists in Korea did research, Joel, and they found that the lactic acid bacteria in kimchi, they, um, they did studies with animals, uh, particularly they did it with, with uh, pigs, farm animals, and they found that it did not at all spread and it killed the virus within them. And on top of that, they've also found that with humans, it boosts the immune factors in the gut sure it boosts immune factors within the body um including interferon uh so uh, and igm igm is immunoglobulin uh these immune factors and it which then would prevent the spread of this virus so for sure kimchi is an antimicrobial agent not only is it good for viruses but it's also really great for bacteria and fungi to control them now in in your sleep restoration program do you use fermented foods in kimchi as part of it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, well, kimchi is an acquired taste. And so, <laughs> you know, when people come to see me, they come to see me, um, you know, we need to think about what do people do when they can't sleep anymore. So they ultimately end up going to a sleep doctor who puts them into a sleep study and they come home with the CPAP or they come home with nothing. So I wanted to create a program that would give people options and not just give them a one size fits all uh, solution, and not that there is any, but definitely um, probiotics, are part of my program and getting back the gut microbiome. So it sort of will bring me to, you know, um, the the reason that I was interested in the kimchi and and all this stuff is that the microbiome is so complex, and the chemicals that we 're receiving you know to sleep there 's all these different neurotransmitters and such an interplay of different things. The idea that we could control this by supplementing different things that we think we could take it 's pretty pretty laughable. Our bodies are so complex, so my goal with my program is to restore a healthy microbiome and then to supplement those things that can help to Uh, strengthen the diversity of the microbiome. So absolutely, I use probiotics. And the the primary piece of information that I want to share with your listeners um, and everyone who wants to understand what's this big deal with this gut microbiome is that what you're hearing in the news about COVID-19 and vitamin D. Now, everyone's been hearing that vitamin D is important, and of course, vitamin C is important, but what is it about vitamin D that's different? And the the intersection of what I'm doing, my sleep restoration program, and what's going on in the world is the gut microbiome and vitamin D. So it turns out that vitamin D regulates the microbiome. When the vitamin D level is high, as in summer, you have a much more diverse set of bacteria, much more favorable, and in the winter... When your vitamin D level is low, you have a much less diverse microbiome and fungus overgrows. And this was an evolutionary advantage to our ancestors that in times of winter, they'd have a fungal overgrowth in their gut, sending a signal through the gut-brain axis to eat sugar and carbs. Now, unfortunately, so many people have low vitamin D because of modern living, but there's a couple other factors in it that keep our vitamin D levels low. So vitamin D will regulate the microbiome itself, through two different ways that I'm 100% aware of, though probably many more, and that's through the production of antimicrobial proteins that are made by the lining of the gut, and those will help to dictate what microbes stick around and which ones don't, and then also the bile. Bile is highly vitamin D dependent in that 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 bile will um, indicate to the gut microbiome of which of the species will flourish. And we want the ones that produce the B vitamins. And this is the work of an incredible neurologist by the name of Stasha Gomenak. And I, I reference her work a lot because she really discovered some incredible combinations that the B vitamins themselves, we get them from diet, but they are primarily made by our gut microbiome. And that we need to have a vitamin D level that's evolutionary, well over 40, even 50. She recommends 60 to 80, which is what I use for my sleep apnea patients. And that will retain the right microbiome. Um, and provide sleep and all the different chemicals that help us get into and stay in deep sleep.
2: You mentioned something right there I want us to uh, go back to. You mentioned some numbers. Are you talking about the your level of vitamin D?
1: Yes. And that's a really important fact. Everyone's talking about vitamin D and everyone thinks, well, you know, I'm fine. I take a multivitamin. It's in there. And it's even the RDA, the the recommended daily allowance of vitamin D is in a multivitamin. So there's no reason why the average person wouldn't believe that if they took a multivitamin, they should be fine. But it's a highly erroneous assumption. Vitamin D is a hormone and it must be measured in the blood. So that's the part that people need to understand is that it's not good enough just to say, well, I take vitamin D. It's critical to know your level. And I know that that's in your initial intake. That's all, almost everyone who understands how the human body works is gonna be looking at vitamin D immediately. When I see a new patient, that's the first thing I wanna know is what's their vitamin D level and how, what can we do to, to make sure that it's optimized.
2: So tell us again, what are the numbers that you believe is that we all should be at least shooting for?
1: Sure. Well, I kind of like to make this easy. You know, my job in life and in what I'm doing with my career is to help communicate these sort of complex messages to the public. And I like people to think of a thermometer, you know, that 32 is freezing. So that's winter. So I say that never be below 32. You do not want your body to be stuck in a winter mode. And even worse is 20. 20 nanograms per milliliter, that's the measure of vitamin D. That's when your phone shuts down, when it only has 20% energy left. And, you know, I call when your vitamin D level is below 20, I call that human power saving mode, just like your phone. And you know what happens if you don't plug your phone in, you're going to be in trouble. And it's the same with your vitamin D level. The 96% of the people who had an unfavorable outcome with the coronavirus had levels below 20 in their vitamin D. So those are the two basic numbers. I like my patients to have a number well up over 40, preferably 50. But when it comes to my sleep restoration program, my goal is 60 to 80 on nanograms per milliliter. And I always want to be below 100
2: all right, gosh, Dr. Joel, there's so much I can ask you, but there's one thing that you know comes up. We, you and I had a conversation, a private conversation. I, I want us to talk a little bit before you go about glyphosate and how does glyphosate fit into this whole uh, current pandemic issue?
1: Right. Well, this is a very big topic, but I want people to understand that glyphosate is a weird sounding name. That's why I created a cartoon character for it. Glyphosate is kind of, in my opinion, at the core of this because glyphosate will lower your body's vitamin D level, which is terrifying. So basically, glyphosate is a chemical that's in Roundup. It's an herbicide. It's in a lot of different products. It's all around the world. And even if you're eating organic and you think you're you're healthy, this stuff is everywhere. And what it does is it affects the enzymes in your liver that activate vitamin D. So you may be out in the sun and you may be taking a healthy dose of vitamin D, but that vitamin D must first go to the liver to be activated. And the enzyme that does that is a CYP or a CYP enzyme. And those enzymes are profoundly damaged by glyphosate. It damages many, many of our enzymes, but the one that's giving us this issue with COVID is this particular type enzyme that activates vitamin D. So you may have this vitamin fluoride on your body, but it's not turned on. It cannot go and do everything it's supposed to do, which is regulate your gut microbiome. And this is very terrifying. And this is the reason why so many people around the world have become vitamin D deficient, because this is in all of our foods, specifically GMO, processed carbohydrates, soy, grain, corn, and sugar but it's in almost every processed food. And so basically, you may be doing all the right things, but your body doesn't have the ability to activate this. Now, Wuhan, China, just so happens to be the highest producer and user of glyphosate. The soil there is soaked, and it doesn't just affect our microbiome. This is an antibiotic. It destroys the soil's microbiome. So anywhere where this is used, and it's almost everywhere, the same thing that will kill the microbiome in your body is the same thing that will kill the soil is the same thing that's killing the bees and the bees' gut microbiome. So this is a toxic chemical that has been around for 40 years that we really need to remove from our food chain. And you can do that, you can get rid of a lot of it by eating organic and by really reducing your processed carbohydrates and sugar, which is a good idea at any point in time.
2: Mm, God, this is such information, good information. I I mean, I I could probably talk to you for a full hour on just glyphosate alone um, and the biochemistry of...
1: Well, yeah, I'd love love to have a conversation about glyphosate, what I discovered about it. It's quite a long story. So I'm there for you. When you hear the story of glyphosate, it'll be more shocking than people can imagine. It's much worse than we think. And, you know, I assume that we're, we're relatively well taken care of with the EPA and such, but things are much worse than we think. And I think that ultimately, I know that people may not want to hear this. And I did not want to become an environmental crusader. This was not on my list of things to do. I'm a dentist that treats sleep apnea, but I don't believe we're going to be able to move forward in this world and in this life without addressing this toxic chemical that is now impacting air quality water quality and now this pandemic in my personal opinion is highly and tightly linked to this through the, the destruction of the gut microbiome—it's not providing us with the anti-inflammatory cytokines—and I don't think we're going to escape this one or the next pandemic without really addressing this issue.
2: Mm, that's very interesting. I'm just thinking about globally which countries allow GMOs. And, you know, you mentioned Wuhan is is like the mecca of GMO use and and glyphosate use, but I'm really interested yeah. uh, in yeah. countries. I mean, I, I know in Korea that um, they actually sent back a whole bunch of I, I believe imp, um, imports of corn, because it was glyphosate. There are countries that yes. do not allow GMO. Yes. And I'm wondering if you know, we could do a little research to see maybe they have less numbers, less um, occurrence. of
1: Well, yeah? I can I can help. Yeah, I can. So I can help you out with that, Suzanne, because I was so shocked at this. So the countries where they have glyphosate, and this it doesn't matter if your country allows it or not, it's being shipped in under the radar. Indians mm. in India are eating beans shipped from Canada that are completely infected with glyphosate. This is literally happening. And the other issue is that Indians have been drinking glyphosate in their tea because when you use glyphosate, you do not have to tell anyone. It's not measured. So even if a country bans GMOs, And glyphosate it's still sneaking in this is one of the most insidious toxic chemicals and it's a poison that's so so deadly that it kills you slowly and you know Monsanto created this and they're still swearing that it's safe after 40 years of use but this was the chemical that destroyed my childhood because I was severely vitamin D deficient as a child growing up in the Canadian prairies all I ate were wheat products cereal grain oats brand, foods we think are healthy, these are loaded with glyphosate and this destroys the microbiome. It destroys your ability to make vitamin D. And this is the primary thing that's affecting children's health around the world who are eating these products that are made from this toxic stuff, goldfish crackers, Cheerios, the things that we're feeding our children are toxic chemicals and no one is checking this. This is a much bigger problem than anyone's thinking. So the answer to your question is like uh, in a place like uh, Brazil, you know people are going to say when when vitamin d comes to the forefront they say well wait a second how can people in brazil be vitamin d deficient it's hot and sunny there the answer is brazil is a massive user of glyphosate people are dying you know by the thousands in brazil and it's the people who are living outside who should have high vitamin d levels but they don't because this stuff is everywhere destroying it's an antibiotic so it kills the microbiome on its own and then it destroys your ability to turn vitamin D on to make it active, so it just hits at so many levels. And you know, I've been down this rabbit hole, not wanting to, to you know, to be fighting against Monsanto. But you know, the science is irrefutable. Anyone who wants to research this, you know, do your research. And and this is a terrifying subject because a lot of the scientists who are bringing this forward will be discredited by Monsanto. They have billions of dollars, and they make billions of dollars. So there's a, a huge financial incentive to keep using this. And now farmers believe that they can't grow crops without it.
2: Mm, gosh, of course, because there could be cross contamination. But we do know I mean, if you buy local and of course, local that are organically certified, that is your best bet. Another way I'd say is really cleaning your water, right? Because we can have all yeah. of this toxin literally in our water. Uh, so don't, in the water, don't yeah. drink tap, yeah. of course, you've got to purify. Yeah. And you've got to use a purification system that cleans yep. out even pesticides and herbicides, such yeah. as Roundup. Oh, thank, thank you yeah. so much. I mean, I'll tell you, Joel, you're you a wealth of information here. And um, give us at least um, information about your website, where we can find you, and about even your dental uh, work that you do. But you you have so much more information. I know you have a new uh, you, you have a new podcast, which I'm going to be a, a guest of, of course, soon.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, so talk yes, us uh, guest, to us absolutely. a little bit about that before you go.
1: Sure, sure. Well, so my basic discovery is that humans are hunter-gatherers, but we're living in the modern world. So I created a new paradigm called Modern Hunter-Gatherers, and it's basically the understanding that to have organic health and be free from chronic inflammatory modern disease, we have to emulate the behaviors of our ancestors. So basically, my book is called The Modern Epidemic, and the cure to the modern epidemic is something I call tribal life and that is emulating our ancestors' behavior and the things that we can do. So if you go to modernhuntergatherers.com, Either on YouTube or on the web. That's my website. You can sign up for the pre-release of my book. I have an ebook coming out. I wasn't going to launch till the summer, but I wanted to get my information out. This pandemic has changed everything. And I just want to get my information and let people decide, you know, what they want to do. And that, you know, you can also find me at my dental office at Modern American Dentistry. And I do see private clients for sleep restoration, but I'm really working on a, a technically a global program to help people regain their sleep.
2: Awesome! Thanks so much. You are you're just awesome. I love talking to you. You makes things easier to understand with clarity, and and just gives us an idea of what else do we really have to look at uh, during these modern times, pandemic, and everything else that's going on. Thanks again, Joel.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Suzanne.
2: Okay. Ah, so much great information always I mean I, I love my guests because I learned so much from them and and I'm so glad I get to share it with you uh, and, if, and if you've you have you're the first person you know if you've never uh, listened to our show before and you've listened to us today definitely subscribe so we can continue to do our very best here and share it share this show with your loved ones so because you know it'll change their life you know that so if you need help in d- digging deeper with your health issues I work with people all around the world through phone and Skype consultations stations and my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.